Hello, everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad you are here. Um, another live stream. Dan from Dan's Fish here, your friendly fishmonger. Dan'sFish.com is the website. I'm doing another live stream on a Wednesday, 7 o'clock Mountain Time. That's our standard time to be doing this. And uh, hello, Tilapia. Welcome. Glad you're here. Yo, yo. Um, crypto, what's up, Thomas? Welcome. Welcome, Thomas. Glad you're here. Glad you could make it. Hope those little baby uh, Aplicylas Dei are doing good for you. Turbofish, sup? Sup? How you doing? How you doing? Um, so while people are piling in here, I'm going to talk about, hey, Candy, welcome. Glad you're here, Candy. I've got a little bit of a plan for today. Um, we'll do our normal thing. We'll take questions and, um, you know, I want to see how everyone's fish you're doing, how your fish rooms are coming along, if you're building any of that or modifying any fish room stuff, how your breeding projects are doing. But um, I want to talk about fulvic acid a little bit today, which sounds a little bit boring, but I, I promise you it'll be worth it. I'll keep that part short. <laughs> K Aquatics. Hey, guys. Well, K Tall K Aquatics. How you doing? Glad you're here. Um, so that's kind of the plan today. I'm going to start off talking a little bit about fish nutrition and how fulvic acid plays into that, just because it's something that um, when I found the scientific papers on it, um, it was interesting to me. It wasn't something that I had seen anywhere else and learning about it was was cool. So um, I'll talk about that a little bit and then we'll move on from there. Aquatic, yo, yo, what's up, Aquatic? Glad you are here. All right, we've got seven in. Not bad for the first you know few seconds. More people pile in as we go. Um, to start, what I'm gonna do is post a link real quick um, about a study that was done on fulvic acid and how it uh, impacts fish immune systems. Wichita, good evening. Welcome, Wichita, glad you are here. Um, so here we go, here's the link. For anyone that really wants to geek out, this will get you started on the uh, fulvic acid train for fish or humic acid train for fish. And I'll talk about the difference of those in, in a little while. Um, but anyway, glad you're all here. So here's what happened is um, I was, oh, this was a while ago. I was getting into bettas quite heavily. Um, and, you know, the the wild type bettas especially come from some really, really dark water habitats um, and black water habitats. And what I mean by that is these are almost like pools of water in a peat swamp, if you can think of what that would be like, just this tea-colored dark water. And the reason the water is so dark is not necessarily a peat swamp. There's just a lot of leaves and decaying vegetation. And organic matter, especially you know, leaves and things like that, as it breaks down, it releases uh, humic substances and fulvic substances. And those are kind of the, the tannins that we see in the water, that darkness that leaches into the water. And so I was going to keep these really delicate wild type bettas and licorice garamis and things like that. And so I was, before I got the order of these in, and this was several years ago, I wanted to make sure that I could recreate that kind of uh, environment. So I was reading about those environments, found out that they're full of humic acid. Hey, Peter, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Um, 
Oh, wait, hang on. I'm going to pause for a quality check. Aquatic Hobbyist. Hey, Dan, what's up with the quality? I don't remember the rest of the streams being like this. I don't know what is up with the quality. Is it better or worse, Aquatic? <laughs> Hopefully it's better. Let me know. Let's deal with the quality issue, folks, and then we'll uh, then I'll get back into my story. Um, Rich Andy, hey, hey, Peter, yours is fine, good. Thomas, yours is fine. Candy, it looks good. Audio and video, okay, quality's fine. Okay, Aquatic, it sounds like the quality's fine for most people. Um, crypto, it's good, looks good here in 720p, says Carter. Okay, good, it sounds like quality's okay. So Aquatic, if you're saying that it's better than usual, then that's a great surprise. If you're saying that the quality's bad, it looks like it's probably on your end. Um, I did all the things. I restarted the computer before the stream because I run into glitches sometimes if I don't. I made sure that the kids aren't upstairs, you know, streaming video to eat up bandwidth or any of that. So I, hopefully we're okay. Uh, Steenfot, Steenfot, welcome, Bob. I'm so glad you're here. I'm going to like fanboy out, Bob. This is awesome. Um, Candy, hi, Bob. Yeah, everyone say hi to Bob. Um, okay. So let me get back into my story about fish nutrition and, um, and hum humic acid and fulvic acid. So I was going to keep these really delicate um, blackwater bettas and licorice gouramis. And I was especially nervous about the licorice gouramis because they just have a re reputation for being notoriously difficult to keep. So when I was researching them and researching their environments, I found out that, you know, they're full of these humic acid substances. That's kind of what the tannin is, the black in the black water that, that, that they're native to. So I started digging into that to try to find out what the best way to recreate um, those environments was. And so I tried, you know, a big vat of water with a ton of peat moss in it. And that worked, but it's kind of ugly and full of particulates and stuff when you treat the water that way. And I didn't like how it looked. So then I started digging a little further to see if I could identify what it was in the peat moss that I needed. And I read about humic acid. So I bought humic acid. I bought this black humic acid powder. And I tried that, but that was even worse than the peat moss. It just makes the water so dark you can't even see through it. So I started reading further and I came across this thing called fulvic acid. And what fulvic acid is, is it's humic acid, but it's super refined. Um, and it's the parts of the humic acid that are most easily absorbed by, um, by fish and by, by organisms. And what, what fulvic acid does in humic acid, well, it's the fulvic acid within the humic acid that really does the trick. But um, what these substances do is they're chelating substances. So they allow the organism to uptake vitamins and minerals better, to uptake nutrients better. So they're a link that allows the organism to absorb and utilize really important vitamins and minerals and in substances like that. So I started digging in and I came across that study that, that I uh, posted above. And basically what happened in this study was these scientists, I believe it was in Japan. I haven't read the article in a while, but I believe it was in Japan. They took uh, some test groups of carp and they had a test group of carp that was fed fulvic acid. They, um, or they call it humic acid. I get the, yeah. Uh, fulvic acid is just not as dark. It doesn't discolor your water, 
but it still has those chelating uh, effects. So they used humic acid in the study. Um, and they, well, yeah, anyway, I'll keep going. And they had a control group that they didn't feed it to and one that they did. And they, then they infected both groups with this really, really nasty disease. It's called Aramonis. Um, Aramonis um, salmon, I forget the species name, but Aramonis is this really nasty bacteria. It causes these lesions on the fish, um, these big, nasty red sores. Um, and when you get it, it is devastating. Um, I, I used to work for a wholesaler, and their biggest fear was that they would get Aramonis because then there was nothing to do but sterilize the entire facility and start over, basically. So in Japan, they took that, they infected the fish with it. And what they found was, if you look at that link in that study, that the group of fish that had been fed with the fulvic acid had a much less of a mortality rate than the control group, which was not fed fulvic acid. And they repeated that a few times and came up with the same result. And their conclusion was that fulvic acid um, boosted the fish's immune system, you know, it allows them to uptake the, the minerals and vitamins that they need to boost their immune system um, in such a way that they were able to, to fight off the Aramonis bacteria much better than the control group that didn't have it. So that's kind of what I wanted to bring everyone's attention to today. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to dig in a whole lot deeper, um, but that's the bottom line is that they found that the, the acid really, really helped and they put it on the food of the fish and that's how they administered it. So ever since then, I've included fulvic acid as an important part of my fish's diet. And let me put up another link. Um, so people always ask me where I get it from. And I'll show you here, um, fulvic acid, um, what is it, bio something? Let me see if I can find the brand I use. Um, it's Bioag, I think, is the brand name. Uh, oh, here it is. Cool. So here's a link. So you can see, I just get it on Amazon. It's from Bioag. And by the way, the BioAg website, if you go there, um, they have more information about fulvic acid and fish health. And there's, they can direct you to the, the Steinhardt Aquarium where studies have been done about this and other places. So it's not just that one paper that I put the link on. Um, it's, you know, there's, there's lots of studies that have been done by lots of institutions that are highly regarded and that are peer reviewed. Um, the academic in me, the professor in me likes that. <laughs> um, and so ever since then, I've been using it. Um, and the way I do it is I buy that bioag, um, they call it full power, which is fulvic acid or humic acid that's just more refined. Basically the, the really discoloring parts of it are taken out and the, the chelating parts are left. I'm summarizing, I'm generalizing, but that's the idea. And I've had great results with it. And the way I feed it is when I'm thawing my frozen food, I'll just put it in there and soak the frozen food in the fulvic acid. Um, so it's not real scientific. I'm not measuring exactly how much is soaked up and stuff like that. 
but I, I'm also not trying to treat a disease. I'm just trying to give them a, uh, it's, it's this long-term maintenance thing where they're always getting a little bit of fulvic acid in their diet. So I'll, I'll do some water and I'll cut it with the fulvic acid, let the frozen food soak in that and thaw in that. Um, and then when I feed it, there's enough of the fulvic acid in that mixture that I'm hoping it gives them a benefit. Again, not, not super scientific, but what I've noticed is, um, a lot of people know I used to keep a lot of discus and I, I noticed that it really helps the discus, at least anecdotally for me. Um, and I've had a lot of success with wild type bettas and with licorice garamis and other types. Um, and again, I haven't set up the scientific experiments or anything like that. I'm, I'm doing it hobbyist style, but I thought that that would be interesting for people. And it's something that I don't think is talked about. And I, I feel like we all know to feed our fish a variety of foods. We all know, well, maybe we don't, but I'm assuming the information's out there on different dried foods and pellet foods and processed foods and rapashi and all that about the nutrition and things like that. But fulvic acid, I don't think is talked about. So for me, I use it. Um, I, I just have so many fish and so much tied up in the fish that, that it's worth it to me to spend a little money on that and add that to their diet. So anyway, I wanted to open the conversation with that, um, but we can go any which way now. If anyone has any questions about that or fish nutrition or whatever, or again, um, if you're building a fish room, I can talk about that. I've built several and I'm really happy with my latest one. Um, and, and as always, I'm really excited to hear about um, anyone's breeding attempts or breeding projects, especially, I remember someone a couple weeks ago had bred some anchor catfish. And if you're out there, I can't remember who it was, but if you're in the chat, I would love you to update me on that because that's, that's a new one for me. Um, anyways, Thomas Perkins, he got some Aplicylus Dei from me, this really beautiful killifish, and um, he bred them. And I asked him at the beginning of the chat how they're doing, and here's his response. They're so tiny, I'm not super sure how many I actually have, but he's got some, maybe between seven and 10 that he's raising up. So that's awesome. And I think Thomas is keeping them in a, a pretty heavily planted aquarium. So it's gonna be hard to count them and see them, but, um, but I'm so thrilled. That's, that's one of my favorite fish. Um, okay, I'm gonna hit the chat and see what people are talking about. And, um, and go from there. We all fanboy for Bob Steenfont. Yes, we do. <laughs> and Bob, I always want to call it Steenfont with an N at the end. And I'm not sure why, but I know it's Steenfont. Um, so apologies in advance because I'm sure I'll say it wrong a lot. Um, Peter, here's like everybody. Help Dan stream. Yes, Peter is a wise and sage man. Aquarium Cop. Hi, Dan. Watching while eating dinner. All right, great. Welcome, Aquarium Cop. Again, one of the coolest usernames ever. <laughs> um, K Aquatics. Always a wealth of info. Well, thanks. Thanks. It's not me. It's Google. <laughs> I just Google. <laughs> Thomas, does adding oak leaves to your aquariums help? Yes. So there's lots of natural substances that, are, that have a lot of humic acids and fulvic acids in them. Oak leaves, peat moss, sphagnum moss, elder, um, alder cones. So most of those substances that um, Indian almond leaves, most of those substances that we use to, to put tannins in our water, putting tannins in our water is in effect adding humic acid and fulvic acid. Um, the thing I like about the bio ag product 
And by the way, I, I don't have a stake in promoting them. I'm, I don't have stock in the company. I'm not getting a kickback from Amazon. If you go to that link or go to Amazon on your own and buy that product, I don't, none of that. It's just, it's the only uh, product I found that really works in aquariums. The rest of the humic acid products and things like that tend to be um, these, these really dark powders that super discolor the, the water. And, and according to the research that, that I've looked into, that are not as easily um, utilized by the fish. Whereas the bioadic product uh, kind of isolates the most useful things in a way that doesn't discolor your water. It's this light gold color. Um, and and um, is more easy for the fish to utilize. So, but, but you can do it. You can add, you know, all those tannin organics, all those leaves and pods and cones uh, and yeah, you'll get, you'll get an effect from that. Um, I just prefer to add the other stuff straight up and not have the, the discoloration and things. Um, fish Tropic, hello, hello. Well, hello, Fish Tropic, yay. Oh, wait, he's waving. Okay, that's what that one is. Yep, emoticons confuse me. Um, <laughs> Candy, Dan, your first link is an error for me. Oh, okay, I'm gonna try it again. If anyone else has an error in that, uh, let me know. Hopefully that works for everyone. If not, um, let's see, it's a PDF. So I don't know if I can copy, no. Um, if you Google um, fulvic acid or humic acid and carp, um, you'll probably come up with it. Um, you'll probably find it. But hopefully that, hopefully that last one worked. Let me know, guys, if no one, is the link uh, working for other people or not? Let me know and I'll see if I can do something. But I think it's in a, yeah, it's just a PDF document. So I think it should be able to share. Um, oh, although, Candy, are you, do you have like Adobe Acrobat Reader? Are you able to see uh, PDF documents? I don't know. K Aquatics, FYI, Suzy Q here, just changed the channel name. Oh, okay. Suzy Q to K Aquatics. <laughs> or Q Aquatics? I don't know. To me, I, this, the Spanish speaker in me sees K, like what? Um, Kevos, fish and reptile room. What kind of filters do you use? Um, I'm, I'm on the cheap, effective train. Uh, I just use sponge filters pretty much. Um, I also use box filters for particulate um, removal. But for biological, I just use cheap old sponge filters. They work great. They might not look the best, but... Um, my room set up for functionality more than display. So that's what I use. Um, if anyone else has a filter they really, really like, uh, maybe chime in so uh, Kivo's Fish and Reptile Room can get some ideas. Um, but it depends on what you're looking for. For me, it's about um, a working fish room. If it was for display, I might do a sump or something else where I didn't see the things in the aquarium. Um, Sergeant Tanks, hey, Sergeant. Welcome, welcome. Glad you are here as well. I've, I've geeked out on many of your videos. I'm glad you're here. Um, saying hi to Candy and Bob. Thomas, I found an awesome new killifish. Oh, cool. Oh, yes. 
I'm going to try Fundalus catenatus, and the Aplicylus got me hooked. Okay, so here's what you need to know about Fundalus catenatus. Um, I love them. Love, love, love them. They're beautiful fish. Um, I have a friend named Stan Sung who he writes for Tropical Fish Hobbyist magazine quite a bit. Um, he did the import report there for years and takes a lot of pictures for that magazine. And he would go on collecting trips all over. And one of his trips was to Alabama um, because there's tons of native fish in Alabama. And in the Pink Rock Creek system, he collected Fundalus catenatus and he brought some over and gave them to me. And this is when I lived in Santa Barbara. They're an awesome killifish. They're big. They're going to get females six to seven inches. Males can get up to nine inches. I mean, that's a big male, but they can definitely do it. Um, so they're a big fish. They look a little bit like an Aplicylus striatum. Um, they're basically a blue iridescent background with, with red dots that run on the sides. And then they have a yellow margin on the end of the tail. Um, they're not the most, they're kind of a subtly colored, for a killifish, they're pretty subtly colored, but they're still impressive. And I didn't have any trouble feeding them. They ate all the frozen foods I gave them. I can't remember if I tried flakes or pellets. I probably did. I, I bet they ate pellets if I remember right. Um, and I kept them in big tanks. I kept them in 60 gallon breeder tanks. And what I would do is... Um, I would keep the males and females separate in 60 gallon breeders. And then every now and then I would take half the females and throw them in the male tank and half the males and throw them in the female tank um, with some bottom mops. And they would lay their eggs in the bottom mops. And the eggs are huge. They're like salmon eggs almost. Um, hey, I got a super chat, so I got to stop because I got to acknowledge the super chat, right? K Aquatics, great stream as usual. Q as in Susie Q. Okay, Fish Fam Rocks. Hey, thank you, Q Aquatics. So glad you're here. Thanks for the super chat. Um, I think that's like the sixth super chat I've ever gotten in my life. So it's kind of thrilling. I appreciate it. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Glad you're here. Glad you like it. Um, anyway, back to the uh, Fundalus catenatus. So that's how I would breed them. Bottom mops only. And... The eggs are huge. They're like a small salmon egg, but they're yellow in color. Um, and they're pretty non-adhesive. So the trick is to cover a good portion of the bottom with, with sinking uh, spawning mops, like maybe a quarter of the bottom of the tank. These were bare bottom tanks. So clean the bottom really well, get all the mulm off, put the spawning mops in the bottom add the males or females. That's what I would do anyway. And then I'd leave them for a day and then I would take out the mops and there would be tons of eggs in the mops and a lot on the glass under the mops that would just sink through the mops because they, they, they're not adhesive very much. They don't stick to things very well. And then I'd leave them in there for maybe another day and then I would remove the adults. Well, I'd remove the eggs the second day. Then I put the adults back in their other tanks and I'd condition them for another week or two. And I did that because I don't like raising one or two fry at a time. I like raising large batches of fry. And this way I could condition the females till they were pretty full of eggs, do the spawning switch up, and I could get a ton of eggs at once. Now, a couple things with Fundalus catenatus. They don't like hot water. Um, 
in Santa Barbara, I could keep them in my patio with no outdoors on my patio year round in the shade. They did great. They loved that. Um, but it didn't typically get really hot in there. I mean, occasionally it would get 80 degrees or so, but it was usually in the mid seventies. Um, now they don't like it hot and they need a lot of dissolved oxygen. So just make sure that the oxygen's clean or that the water is clean and well oxygenated. They come from these, uh, at least the collection point in the Paint Rock River where mine came from, it's really clean water and it's flowing, it's full of oxygen. So keep them clean, well oxygenated, not too hot. And they're awesome. Oh, another thing is make sure there's, um, make sure there are hiding spots. Uh, so you can use floating mops for this. They won't, the, the eggs won't stick in those. That's why I don't use those for breeding, but you can use mops for that or plants or decker or something, but they do need to be able to get away from each other when the males are sparring. I never had them really thrash each other as long as there was enough places to hide and break up sight lines and things. And also I had a lot of success keeping them in groups. Um, that way, if anyone was a little aggressive, they wouldn't target everyone else too bad. But anyway, if you can get a hold of that fish, it's an awesome fish. I'm going to go down the chat now. Sorry, I geeked out, but that is a big, bad killifish and it is awesome. And you usually don't hear people talking about it. So Thomas, I'm glad you found it. It's a great, great fish. Um, anyway, um, Fish Tropic. Dan, I'm kind of new here. Is that all the fish tanks behind you? Yeah, so Fish Tropic, if you um, go to uh, my YouTube channel, you'll see a, I have a big tour of the fish room. But let me just real quick. These are all 75 gallons, um, several rows of them. Then those are 20 longs and those are 30 breeders on the far wall. But that's, that's basically the room there. Um, it's all automated um, just for time. <laughs> and I really like this one. This is probably, I think, the sixth fish room I built. And I think I got it right. There's not a lot that I would go back and redo if I had to do it again. So um, if you watch the fish room tour, uh, Fish Tropic, then I'll go in the details there of the maintenance systems and the filtration and the lighting and the... Uh, heating and the air exchange and all those systems. So you can geek out on that if you want. Kevos, error. Okay, so everyone else is getting an error. Well, I wonder if I can just post the link to the Google search that I used to get it. And it's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, um, I think it's like the eighth one down. So let me see if I can post this. And thanks for letting me know, guys, that that wasn't working. I wouldn't know otherwise. So here's, maybe this will work. This is a link to the Google search. Um, oh, wait, it doesn't even want to let me do it. Come on. Ah, it hates it. It's too long. I'd have to do bit.ly or something. Okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. Hang on, I'm trying to delete this massive thing. Um, I searched fulvic acid carp on Google and it is, which one is it? It's, uh, the author of the article is Hiroshi Kodoma, H-I-R-O-S-H-I, -I, and then the last name K-O-D-A-M-A. -A. So 
if you look for that article, it's called Protection Against Atypical Aeromonas Salaminaceta Infection in Carp by Oral Administration of humic, Humus Extract. That's the name of the article. So hopefully that helps. I'm sorry if the link isn't working. Um, I don't know how else to do that other than doing a bit.ly, and I don't want to do that right now during a live stream. Um, okay, going down, going down. Candy has Adobe. Okay, it's not working. Yeah, it's not working for lots of people, Candy, so it's not it's not just you. Sorry about that, guys. Um, Steve Lacan, sup, dude? How you durin'? I'm durin' good, man. I dur great. <laughs> Steve, that's great. I love how you spelled that. Sergeant Tanks, thank you, buddy. Yeah, thank you, man. Thanks for putting out all the content. Um, I really appreciate it. Kevos, thanks for the reply. Yeah, of course, of course. Dank Tanks, sup? Sup, Dank? Dank! <laughs> Fish Tropic, thanks. I think it's Dank, not Dank. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Meat Man, formerly Pori Slinger. What's happening? <laughs> so you've gone from pork to all meats, huh? You, you, you couldn't decide which one you liked best. So instead of Pork Slinger, it's Meat Man. Well, welcome, Meat Man. Glad you are here. Um, Two Aquatics, thank you. Thank you again for the super chat. I, I really appreciate that. Peter Thiel, if I can catch a nine-inch long fish, I eat it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, they almost look like, they they almost, you see one and you're like, that's not a killie fish. There's no way, but they are. They have a pretty small mouth though. Um, for a big fish, their mouth isn't big, so they can't take anything too big. A full-grown earthworm, that's that's about as, as girthy as they can go. Um, <laughs> go Del Taco. <laughs> Everyone's on to Del Taco. All right. Um, Eric B, thumbs up, thumbs up to you. Dink tanks, tacos sound good. Hey, is this Corey's stream now? <laughs> I think I think almost everyone in Fish Fam has to like tacos just because of how much Corey promotes them. All right, uh, Stinkfot, got a jet for dinner. Leaving on the stream so you can get the view. Take it easy, Dan and everyone. Thanks, Bob, I appreciate that. Have a good dinner. Thanks for helping out. I, I really appreciate that. Um, Thomas. The blue on orange is pretty cool color pattern and they're native to Eastern Oklahoma. Yeah, that's awesome. So you can just go catch some. <laughs> lucky, lucky. All right. Meat man. Later, Bob. All right. Candy overhauls. Dan's, Dan sells fish as well. I do. If anyone uh, wants to know the fish I sell, it's at dansfish.com. Um, everything I have available right now is listed there. Um, and actually, I've got a couple other things that I need to post, but there's still a they're babies that are coming up. Um, they're getting close, but I'll probably wait another week or so. Um, but yes, if anyone wants fish, dancefish.com. Feel free to look. If you like what you see, it's available. Dink, peace, Bob. Everyone's saying bye to Bob. Fish Tropic. Holy crap, Dan, where about do you live? I live in Wyoming right now, um, but I'm a California boy. So I moved to Wyoming in uh, 2011. Uh, but I, I was in California before that for most of my life. So, yep, NorCal, SoCal, all over Cal. Um, but right now, it's Sheridan, Wyoming. It's very cold. <laughs> There's about three feet of snow in my yard right now. <laughs> um, Fish Tropic, Dan, do you have Instagram? I kind of. I confess I haven't done anything with it yet. So I have the YouTube channel and I have a Facebook page, Dan's Fish on Facebook. Um, one day I'll get the Instagram really going, but right now just managing the YouTube 
channel and the Facebook page. Um, it's about all I can I can handle to tell you the truth. So hopefully I can get those going and then maybe add Instagram. I did I did grab the Dan's Fish uh, hashtag or Dan Dash Dash Fish hashtag or something like that just so I would have it for later. But I haven't done much with it yet. Um, yeah, Disneyland. Yep, from I'm from around Disneyland. Meat man, getting out the barbecue business and going back being a meat cutter butcher. Okay, so it's a, it's a more accurate description of your career now then. Man, I bet barbecuing was fun though. That sounds like a, a fun way to, to make a living. Peter, dancefish.com is a cool website. Well, thank you. I'm glad you like it. Thomas, that's a great screen name, meat man. Yeah, it is. It might get you in trouble if you don't use it with a... Uh, with, uh, prudence <laughs> keeping it crypto hey can you post a link to your melanotania trifasciata video or have any info on them so funny you should ask i'm going to post a video on them um i believe it's gonna be, i want to get it out friday but friday is gonna be busy so it's probably gonna be saturday but i commit to you that before the week is over i will have that video up i have some clients that uh have asked for some video because they want to buy some um, and I want them to be able to see what they are better before they buy them because I couldn't get a really good picture of them for the website. They're just so quick. <laughs> Photographing rainbows is a challenge. So um, so crypto, I'll have that up on the YouTube channel before the week is out. Okay. Um, Candy, I have that much snow as well. So tired of it. Yep. Yeah. It finally today got above freezing. I think it hit 40 today. And so there was a little melt off and it's gradually, it's supposed to be a little warmer for the rest of the week, but then Saturday it's going to snow again. So there you go. Um, <laughs> but you don't move to Wyoming for the weather. Like if pe people in Wyoming, if you live here, you knew what it, you knew the weather was going to be crazy. So if you complain about it, yeah, you kind of brought it on yourself. There's plenty of other places to live where the weather is not as uh, expressive, shall we say. <laughs> okay, um, Meat Man, we were supposed to get a foot of snow overnight last night and woke up to nothing. Well, yeah, they were all scared about a big storm we were supposed to get too. It missed us, but it, it hammered Salt Lake, so I, uh, I didn't get it. Thomas, cool. I'll tag you in killifish pictures. Sounds awesome. Tropic of a ship to Canada. Oh man, I know, I know, I know fish tropic. Um, I hope to get there. I hope to get there. I, I have to be honest and say it's not a priority right now. Not because I don't want it to be, but just because it's going to take me a lot of time to set that up um, and, and some money too, to get that all set up and running properly. And right now there's other things I need to take care of first but I haven't forgot about everyone in Canada. Um, and I know, I know you guys need access to fish. It's a challenge. So I, I do plan on doing that, but it's, it's not anytime soon. I promise you I'm working on a pretty large thing right now. And I'm not ready to talk about in any kind of detail with the fish fam, but I, I'm working on something I'm pretty excited about. And it's a big project. It's taking a lot of time, a lot of hours, some money, um, and it's just not ready to release, but that's my priority right now is this other project. But I, I know, I know it's a challenge up there. 
Kate, oh, Q Aquatics. I'm going to have to get used to that. <laughs> I, I just want to say K so badly. Q Aquatics, I am ready for spring and summer tubbing. Yep, absolutely. Lumpy in the house. Lumpy dog, welcome to the house. Glad you are here. Um, oh, okay. Gotcha, Thomas. Fish Tropic, glad it isn't snowing here. Yep. <laughs> Fish Tropic, okay. <laughs> uh, Thomas, I don't like living in places colder than the surface of Mars. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we haven't had a horribly cold winter. Like we didn't have a lot of, you know, negative 35 degree weather this year. Uh, we did the last year though. And it, oh man, it was cold. It's cold enough that it hurts your face. When it gets that cold, it's no fun. Um, Meat man, do you mess with the rainbows? I just got 150 today and plan on adding to the ones that I have a bunch more types of rainbows. Yeah, I've got a lot. Um, if you go to dancefish.com and check it out, I've got um, some red lasers. I've got uh, Molokai. I've got Erian reds. I've got Trifosciatus. I've got dwarf rainbows. Um, I've got uh, Parkinsoni, which are awesome. I like that fish a lot. And am I forgetting one? I might be forgetting one or two, but yeah, I've got several. And... Uh, yeah, they're available on the site for what I think is a pretty reasonable price. So feel free to check it out and see what you think. All right, I reached the bottom of the chat. Oh, no, I didn't. Meat Man, I have Bosmani, Parkinsoni, Turquoise. Oh, I have Turquoise too. That's one I forgot. And Australian. Cool. Check it out then. Thanks. Yeah, do please. Fun fact, um, the, the Madagascar rainbow, that's a really, really cool fish. I like it a lot. But Something that I think is a, a fun fact is that it's not actually um, a rainbow fish. It's an honorary rainbow fish. It's, it's a fish that adapted to the same niche in Madagascar as the rainbow fish adapted to or evolved to fulfill in Australia and Papua New Guinea and stuff. Um, but just for trivia's sake, the Madagascar rainbow is actually not a rainbow fish, not genetically, not, not on a scientific breakdown chart, taxonic, taxonomically. It just is in the hobby because it looks so similar and acts so similar because it evolved uh, to fill the same niche as the other fish did. So fun fact, um, Thomas, Q Aquatics, what species do you put outside? Yeah, what, what is your tubbing like, Q? Just curious. That's a good question, Thomas. Lumpy Dog picked up three 1.5 inch lemon drop plecos. They are not rare, but cute. I've never seen them in person. I had never seen them in person. Yeah, that's awesome. They're great. It's, you know, the, the day I discovered there was something besides a common pleco was a day that blew my mind. <laughs> and I'll never forget it. It was in the mid nineties. I was at a wholesaler in Sacramento, California, and I saw gold nugget plecos. And until then, all I had ever seen was a common pleco. And I was like, what? They have color. They're beautiful. Oh, and they don't get too big. You know, man, there's some awesome plecos out there. So congrats, Lumpy Dog. I hope you do well with them. Um, are, they, are they just to have and keep? And are you going to try to spawn them? What's your plan with them? Are they in a display? Just curious what you're doing with them. Meat Man. Awesome. Thanks for the info, brother. Yeah, you're welcome. Anytime. Uh, Q. White clouds, guppies, cherry shrimp, CPDs. Yeah, for summer tubbing, that sounds perfect. Sounds great. And 
something I hope we get more of in the hobby are rice fish uh, for summer tub. And I know Corey's been messing with some of those or at least one or two kinds, but, um, and rice fish are awesome. Hope we get more of those. Um, isn't it a killifish? Thomas, um, let's see here. I'm not sure what you're asking, Thomas. Could you clarify what you're asking? Which fish is a killifish? Um, fish tropics. Just curious, Dan, what are your favorite meds to use in your fish room? Well, I'm a little different than the typical trio of uh, erythromycin and, um, oh, General Cure and, oh, what's the other one that everyone's using? And ICX. Um, but I'm close. I do use those, but instead of uh, erythromycin, I typically go with oxytetracycline. Um, I've used it for a long time. I do use erythromycin too, um, but the thing with oxytetracycline is it's a lot less expensive. And in my experience, it's, it's just as effective, at least for you know quarantining and acclimating new fish goes. So I typically use, uh, I have some erythromycin around, but I just keep it as a backup in case the oxytetracycline didn't work. So I'll use oxytetracycline and then I use, sometimes I'll use general cure. It just depends on the price. Sometimes I'll use uh, Metro or Prozzi that I buy separately if I can get it cheaper and, and dose it. But that's what general cure is. It's Metro and Prozzi. And I typically don't use ICX just because I haven't found that I, I need it very much. Um, if it's a fish that I know is going to get ick, if I was doing uh, clown loaches, say, I would use ICX. But most fish, I haven't had a lot of ick breakouts if I'm using Metro and Prozzi and um, an antibiotic. They tend to do fine. I think maybe the Metro and Prozzi suppress ick a bit. I'm not quite sure. So I generally do that for... Um, a week or two, depending on how the fish is doing, then I'll give them a break and then I'll do two rounds of levamisole. And that's just to get rid of, um, you know, any in, of the hardier worms and things like that, that the other things didn't get. And in between the trio or the duo, cause I don't do a lot of ICX and levamisole, I'll usually do some dimelin. Um, dimelin is, is fantastic. It's cheap and it, as far as I know, everything I've read about it and in all the time I've been using it, it doesn't stress the fish at all. It specifically attacks uh, the construction of keratin. So it kills gill flukes and some other hardy um, parasites that because of their keratin casing are very much hard to kill with Metro and Prozzi. So that's kind of how I do it. Um, and I do the Dimelin because it's super effective and doesn't hurt the fish at all. Now, the problem with Dimelin is it will knock shrimp out or anything with a keratin casing because that's how it kills things. It, it keeps that casing from forming or forming properly as the organism molts. But that's what I generally do. Um, if, uh, if you have any more uh, specific questions about it, let me know. But that's typically my approach. Um, Thomas, cool, I'm doing rice fish, gold barbs, and those killies. Yep, that sounds great. Cool. HC Aqua, hello, listening in. Well, welcome, HC. And that's a perfectly legitimate way to do a live stream. I do them in the background all the time. Um, especially if I'm doing, like, maintenance on the room for a day. I'll just <laughs> stream a bunch of Bob Steen thoughts, live streams, or Corey's, or, 
I don't know, Sergeant Tanks, I, any, any of them, I'll just stream them in the background for hours and it, it makes the time go. It's fun because you listen and sometimes it's like listening to talk radio, but about something you're interested in, right? Fish. <laughs> if you're here, you're probably a geek about fish like me. And so it's a great way to pass the time. And I'll find myself like arguing with the person <laughs> if I disagree with them <laughs> in my head or out loud while I'm going crazy in the fish room. Or sometimes I'll, I'll be like, they'll say something. It'll be like, yeah, preach, right? Like, like, yes, <laughs> that needed to be said. Um, and sometimes frequently I'll learn something new and it'll, it'll really help me. So I love listening in the background while I'm doing fish stuff or driving or whatever. Peter Thiel, I treat my fish with Percocet. <laughs> well, if you have a bunch of Percocet, you could probably sell it on the black market and get a lot more money to buy the legitimate fish meds, Peter. But yeah, <laughs> or, Peter, how are you keeping your fish that they need Percocet? Let's talk about that. <laughs> That's awesome, Peter. Thomas, the Madagascar rainbow isn't an Achilles fish. Uh-uh, no, um, not, not in any official sense, no. Um, it's not. And I'd have to look up again what it is. Um, in fact, I think it might be its own thing. Oh, I'll have to look that up and talk about it next time. I don't want to take the time during a live stream to be boring and reading a bunch of Google stuff. But it, it, I, it's not a rainbow fish and it's not a killifish. It's just very similar. In fact, rainbow fish and killifish, they adapt to the same niches as well. So lamp eyes in Africa um, are what a rainbow fish, the niche that rainbow fish would be in, in Papau in Australia. Um, so... Yeah, so the fact that the Madagascar rainbow fish is in the same niche makes it so similar to the rainbow fish and the killifish that it's often an honorary member of each one, but it's not actually related in the way. I think it's its own, it might be its own family. I'd have to look. It's a pretty unique fish though. Uh, Wichita just brought, just bought a L134 breeding group. First time for me. That's fantastic, man. I hope they breed for you. Um, with plecos, it's all about patience. <laughs> That's what people tell me. I haven't bred a lot of plecos. I've done some bushies and stuff, but not a lot. But man, I hope they do breed for you. How big's the group? Um, and what's the sex ratio? And like, what's your what? What's your strategy? How, what's their setup like? What are you doing to get them to go? Lumpy Doug, I want to breed the lemon drop plecos. Okay. Hopefully, I have at least one male and female. They're too young to know yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you do, man. Um, that sounds awesome. Got three of them. We got a chance for getting uh, a male and female then. Yeah. Well, let us know how it goes when they're sexed up. You know, a year, year and a half from now when, <laughs> when they're ready to go. Um, Matthew Moore Cichlids. What's up? Well, what's up, Matthew Moore? Glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. Um, fish Tropic. Well done. So curious if you think it's okay to dis dose fish all at once with three or four meds. Is this safe for fish? Um, it depends on the meds. I, I don't have any trouble dosing oxytetracycline, metronidazole in Prazi, and um, in ICX if I needed to. I know those four work um, without any problem. I know lots of people do the same thing but use metronidazole instead of oxytetracycline and have no trouble. And, and that's one of Aquarium Co-op's, I think, greatest contributions to the hobby 
is informing people about how to land fish and quarantine them and, uh, and medicate them so they have success just because the fish generally need it when they first come in. Uh, they've been through so much. And I know there's disagreement about that, but I come down on the side of, I agree with Corey um, on that one. So there are meds you can. The reason that I don't put the Dimelin and the Levamisol in the first round of treatments is because I don't know how they'll react with those other meds. I don't know if it's safe to include them. And, um, and I'm not willing to risk my fish to test that. I'm waiting to see if someone else will do it. So, so for me, I just, I just take the time to separate it out. Um, if I knew that all of those could be put together, I would just do it all together. But I don't mind taking the time because usually when the fish come in, it's not just that they need medicine, but they also need time to fatten up and to recover and, and to settle in and things like that. And to get used to, you know, the kind of food we feed in the aquarium here in the United States and things like that. But anyway, that's the long-winded answer, more than you wanted. Sorry, Fish Tropic, but the ones that I know are safe, I combine. The ones I don't, I don't. Um, if I ever ran into a situation where it's like, I can either do this and this and this or lose the fish, then I would try it because if the fish is going to die anyway, but I'm not usually in that situation. Okay. Fish Tropic. Hey, Matt. All right. Everyone's saying hi to Matthew Moore Cichlids. Yep. Nice learning. Nice, oh, yep. Nice hearing fish talk. Yeah, it is. It's a great time. <laughs> you think everyone would like it. <laughs> All right. Fish Tropic. Okay, Dan, I'll be listening. Got two 40 gallons. Cool. Right on. Um, to finish up. Yep. Get those set up, Fish Tropic. Thomas Perkins. I learned something today. Good. I'm glad you did. Glad you did. Christian Parnell. Hey, Dan, I was wondering if you have any advice. I'm breeding a pistogramma. Mm. I picked up six orange flash and six double reds. Okay. So I want to start this by saying that, yes, I have some experience, but they're not a fish that I've done for years and years or multiple generations or, you know, anything like that. But I feel like the ones you've got, I can talk about. The orange flash and the double reds, these are very common. Um, they've been produced for so long in captivity that they're not very difficult to spawn in captivity. So there's lots of ways to do it. Um, you can go with a fairly bare tank, separate a pair out into that tank, um, maybe a five and a half gallon, maybe you prefer a 10 gallon, but they can go in a five and a half. Have your spawning cave in there. Um, have some places of refuge in case they, they can go at it. I mean, they can battle and someone might need to get away. One of the best things for Epistos is if you can get a spawning cave that has a small enough entryway that only the female can get in and the male can't, they like that security and it gives the female somewhere to get away from that the male can't get to her. Um, and he'll still be able to fertilize the eggs just fine usually. So that's a trick I've seen people do. Um, although sometimes it's the female that kills the male. <laughs> At least you hear about it. Sometimes you wonder if, if they didn't see it, if that's what actually happened or if that's what they think happened. But yeah, so that's one way to do it. And if you can set up multiple pairs on a rack next to each other, 
Then what you do is you take a piece of dark colored paper and you slip it between the aquariums on the rack. And then you pull it back a little bit so there's a little bit showing. And you do that every now and then so that the pairs can kind of defend their territory against each other through the glass. So they can see each other and kind of spar through the glass. And that will help strengthen the pair bond so that they fight the other fish in the other tank and don't fight each other. And also it gives them a strong pair bond so they're more likely to be successful spawning. Um, so that's one trick that you can try. Um, those two species are pretty simple though. I think if you set up any kind of aquarium five and a half gallons up uh, for a pair and um, it was decorated and had a cave in there and things, I think you're eventually gonna get babies. Um, temperature on them, um, I don't know, I'd say high 70s to low 80s, maybe 82-ish for spawning could be helpful. And then once the babies are uh, free swimming, they're really easy. It's just baby brine shrimp at that point. They're generally pretty easy. If you do get some that are small, you could do uh, microworms. Uh, those will settle to the bottom where they tend to hang out as newly uh, swimming fry. And I personally would do a bare bottom tank um, just because it's easier to keep clean. So they do need clean water. They want pretty warm water. Um, but I think you'll you'll be successful in, in lots of setups with them. Um, hope that's helpful. If there's anything you want to zero down in on more deeply, uh, leave a comment and we can do that. Uh, Matthew, got to go to sleep. Nice stream. Thanks, Matthew. Uh, sweet dreams. Aquarium Cup, thumbs up. Matthew Moore, subbed up, Dan. Can't believe I wasn't. Well, Matthew, thanks. I appreciate that. Thanks for the sub. And again, sweet dreams. Thomas Perkins, Sultan Plecos are on my list. They're part of the Tapajos biotope, and I finally got some Geophagus Tapajos. Oh, great. That's exciting. Geophagus are awesome. Um, love them. Fish Tropic. Do know what's in Ick X? Um, not off the top of my head. Um, I have some, but I'd have to dig it out, and I don't want to leave the stream because that makes for bad television. But um, if I remember, I don't think it's formalin. I don't think it's malachite green, but I could be wrong. I don't remember. Oh, something else. Another med that I use frequently is um, I use copper, copper safe. Now, I don't use it all the time, but if the fish have been through the normal meds and then later have a problem, often the copper will get it. Um, it'll pretty much knock out any parasite. And it's, it's great on velvet. It's the only thing I've really found that really truly works on velvet quick enough that if you catch the velvet early enough, it can, it can help the fish. So, um, so copper is another one to keep in mind if you're dealing with something that's really difficult. Um, yeah. So I'm sorry, I don't know what the active ingredient is in ICX off the top of my head. Um, Fitropic goop. <laughs> okay, we got shout outs going on. Fish Tropic, are you able to do a live fish tour next stream? Um, well, check out the tour that I do have. Um, I have a, I have two major fish room tours. One is my old fish room and one is uh, this, this one and see if it has all the info you need on it. The, the problem I have with that is that this camera is it's connected by USB to my computer tower. 
And so I can't really take it around. And when I do it on my phone, um, uh, the, the quality is questionable. So that tour that I did, though, the latest one of the new fish room, that's pretty much a live stream tour. Um, it's, it's very much just on the fly live stream style. So let me know if that works for you. Um, but yeah, the, I don't, I could do it, but the quality would be really bad if I used my phone. Uh, Thomas Perkins, Epistogramma cacatoides or Agazizii? Or <laughs> is it Agazizii? I think Agazi. I'm not sure that's spelled quite right, but there's an orange flash and double red in both species. Yeah, they're both about the same, though, as far as breeding goes. They've both been around forever. They're both simple and hardy. They're a great fist, first Episto, either one. Um, Thomas, I've got some. Give me a second. Okay, great. So there's the cockatoides. I think Thomas is checking the ICX ingredient. Oh, it's formalin. Okay, got it. Christian, cockatoides. Oh, good. Lumpy dog, ICX ingredients. Water, formaldehyde, methanol, malachite green, chloride. Okay. Yeah, so it's about everything but copper. <laughs> it's got everything in it that you would expect in an ick medicine. Um, yeah, or an external parasite medicine, just no copper. Cool. Meat man, great stream. Keep up the good work, Dan Nidal. All right. Okay, we're at the bottom of the stream. Um, thanks, everyone, for coming. It's been just about an hour, and we've hit the bottom. So this is the point in the stream where I always say if you have a burning question you need answered or if you have a comment you want to get out, do it in the next minute or two because I'm going to start shutting this down. But I do want to thank everyone for coming. It's getting better every week. Um, one of my heroes, Bob Steenfot, joined tonight, which is fantastic. Bob, that was great. Thanks so much. Glad to have everyone here, though. Um, everyone, you're all valued and you make it really fun. So I'll have a video coming out. That'll be on the uh, Trifosciatus rainbows, just because I've got a few people that, that want that. That'll come up uh, by the end of the week. And then next week, I'm going to be putting out a ton of videos because it's spring break. So I have the week off. So I've, I've had a lot of footage for a long time that's edited and ready to go. It just needs the intro, the outro, and the voiceover. And um, I just have been so swamped, I haven't been able to do it. But look out next week because I'm going to try to get it all out. And it's a lot of content. <laughs> so YouTube might wonder what I'm doing. Why am I dumping all this content at once? But um, it's, it's the way I can get it done. So I'm going to be doing that. Anyway, thanks again, everybody. Have a great night. And um, I am going to cut it there. Bye-bye.